0: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Let's try it again. Good morning. Good morning. All right. You ought to be glad to be here this morning. you me stand and Welcome into this place. Sing. Welcome into this place. Welcome into this place. All Welcome. 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 You desire to abide in the presence of your people. So we lift our hands
1: and we lift our
0: hearts as we offer up this praise to your name. Amen. Welcome, welcome. Welcome into this place. Oh, 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 well Welcome into this broken vessel. You, you desire to abide, to abide in the praises of your people. So we lift our hands. And we lift our hearts as we offer up this praises to your name. Anointing. Anointing. Fall. Fall on me. Anointing. Anointing. Fall. The power of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Fall on me call on me. Anointing. Anointing. The Holy God, all on me, all on me. Let the power, let the power, of the, Holy the Holy Ghost. Fall on me, all on me. Let the power, of the Holy. anointing fall on you <laughs> and we Amen. welcome you into this place. Thank you Lord. Glory, Glory to your name.
1: name. Glory Glory to your name.
0: Forever you are the same. We worship and adore you. We bow ourselves before you. Giving you Your name, come on, say, it. Glory to your name, glory to, glory to your name,
1: glory. glory to your name, forever
0: you are the same. We worship, we worship. And Adore you we bow ourselves, we bow ourselves before you We're giving you We're giving you the glory that is due your name. We magnify your name glorify, glorify your name oh God. your name, oh yeah. we magnify your name, glorify oh, your name. your name
2: in verses 15. You, however, know all about my teaching, my ways of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, suffering. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Icona, and Lystra? The persecution I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus, will, perse- will be persecuted. While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but for you to continue in being, continue in, what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know that those from whom you learned it and how from inflictions you have known the Holy Scripture, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is godly, breathed, and is used for teaching, rebuking, correction, And training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good works. The other scripture that is coming out of the fourth uh, fourth chapter of the same chapter in Timothy and it's starting at verse eight. For I'm ready to be poured out like a drink offering and the time has come for my departures. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is no stored for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearance. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. Excuse me. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, come this morning, first of all, with thanksgiving in our heart. We thank you for letting us get up early. We thank you for letting us have the activities of our land. Father, we just thank and praise you for everything, for we realize that you are in control of our life. Now, Father, we come invoking your blessings upon this service. We ask that you anoint the speaker afresh, open up your word to us, and give us learning ears and then willing hearts to do your word. And we'll be so careful to give your son Jesus all the glory, the praise, and the honor to him. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Go
3: ahead. Well, we're going to go ahead and do our reading while they're waiting for the music to get set up. Um, we have a poem that is called Seasons that I'd like to share with you. It says, Seasons. Seasons change from year to year through winter solace and Christmas cheer. Through spring and summer and fall and then, the cycle of life starts all over again. The changes they seem so subtle to start, but as time passes by in nature's arts, begins to show scars in the tales of time past, it is we will know that true beauty will last. Thus it's the same with our father and mother, as each year passes on from one to another. And time does its job and reflects on each face all the changes they've seen where they've been every place. But it shows so much more if only we look. Every line, every scar are like words in a book. They tell stories of travels through the journey in life, every wonderful moment of joy and every strife. But look even closer at every last line of the stories they tell of their travel through time and the beauty that seems to have faded within. You will see that that it's there from beginning to end. It is only concealed to those who are blind of the beauty created from traveling through time. But to those who are willing to look deep within, they will see that the beauty of youth never ends. It is only transformed with each passing season. Through the winter of life, there's a rhythm and a reason. For just as the trees shed their leaves in the fall, they've not lost their grace or their beauty at all. They are only preparing for a cycle to start when then once again they adorn nature's art. And the outward beauty that once was so grand will again grace their branches as proudly as they stand. We too as the trees are being prepared, as through seasons we travel with others we share. The journeys we've had and the ones yet to come until one day we meet with the Father and Son. And as God reaches out, his marvelous hand wipes the lines from our face and allows us to stand and dance in the spring as once we had done with a smile on his face as he tw- tells us, well done. The seasons change from year to year through seasons and solace and Christmas cheer through spring and summer and fall and then the cycle of life starts all over again. Seasons. Seasons. Offering, a free will offering, just to help to defray the cost of this event. But I'm just going to say a quick prayer, and then those who are going to assist with the offering, um, they'll be around. Father, we thank you and praise you once again for the time to be able to come and fellowship. And Lord, um, we ask that you would just um, use this offering, Lord, to help defray the cost, but also to help to continue to do ministries like this. Once again, may this time be a time of sweet fellowship. In your precious name we do pray. Amen.
0: I want you to think about this while you're singing it. He needs to be more than anything to you. You need to make him more than anything to you. I, I lift my hand. Just, I, lift. I lift my hand in total adoration unto You. You reign. You reign upon the throne. For You are God and God because of you my cloudy days are gone I can, I sing, can sing to you this song and I just want to say you. that I love you more than anything I lift my hands, Come on, I lift my hands in total, total generations you, you reign upon the throne, throne. Oh, For you are gone 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 not because because my God God alone Because of you, my of days are gone I, I can sing, sing to you this song I, I just want to say that I love you more than anything, anything. Is he more than anything to you? If he isn't, you need to make it so. Yes. He needs to be first
2: Thank
0: you, Lord. in your life. Yes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this, and y'all gonna look at me like I'm crazy. Yes. But before your husband. Yes. Before your children. Thank you, Lord. He needs to be first yes. in your Thank life, you, Lord. More than anything to me. More than anything. Come on, y'all. One more time. I lift my hands. Yes, thank you, Lord. I lift my hands in total acturation unto you. You reign upon the throne. For oh, you are God and God alone Because of you I my cloudy days are gone I can sing I can sing to you this song I just I want, want to say that I Love you more than anything Just one more time, please, just one more time I, I give, give my hands to so Gloration unto you. You reign upon a throne. Oh, for you are God you alone. alone. Because, because of Him, of you your cloudy days are gone. gone. And you can I see. sing to you this song. Ah. I just want to say that I you more than anything. play, just play. Listen, y'all. You are God and God alone Because I know the cloudy days are gone I can sing to you this song I just want to say that I love you more
3: My privilege to announce the very special speaker who's going to be speaking here today. Her name is Yodora Robinson. We know her as Dee Dee. But Dee Dee attends um, Akron Alliance Fellowship, and I want to share just a little bit of information about her. She was born in Memphis, Tennessee, she grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. And um, she attended the University of Akron, where she received her B.S. degree in political science and a master's degree in public administration. She served eight years in the military, the Army branch. Um, she has worked over 18 years with State Farm. And for two, two years and seven months, she has had the privilege to own her very own agency on the, I believe it is the east side of Akron. Um, she has... Three boys who are the young, or I should say there's one big man of her life by the name of Johnny. She has an older son who's currently in college by the name of Johnny Jr. And then she has a younger son who is currently in second grade by the name of Justin. Let's see, they have been together for 25 years. And Dee is also an active member of the Delta Thigma Psi uh, sorority. So if you please give her a warm welcome.
4: And good morning, beautiful people. Good morning. morning. Um, I appreciate the opportunity uh, of the deaconess here at church at the Akron Alliance Fellowship Church to uh, invite me back for a second time to speak at the uh, Four Seasons. Um, This is a way of our church giving back to the community as a reach out. So my prayer today is that Something that we say could touch someone's heart, that God um, uses me and the other speaker in a way that will, if you take one nugget away, just one, just something that can help somebody, I just pray that that um, God use me in that way. So before I start, I want to give some disclaimers first, and I want y'all to repeat after me because this is, uh, I need participation. So, the first thing I want to say is I am not a preacher. I am not a minister. I am simply a sinner saved by God's grace. So, can you repeat that with me? She is not a preacher. She is not a minister. She is simply a sinner saved by God's grace. Thank you for that. So, today the subject that I'm going to focus on is um, concerning faith, strength, and perseverance. Faith, strength. And perseverance. And part of the condition to have faith, strength, and perseverance is for us to stop ignoring first thing, stop ignoring the warning signs. So for with a show of hand, who all have been in a car, drove a car, or owned a car? Show of hands. This is participation. Okay, so in that car, whether you are a passenger or a driver is your car. On that dashboard, it's a dashboard with all these little lights that come on to tell you when you're running out of gas, to tell you when your tires are low, it tells you when your engine is bad, it tells you all that. Don't it tell you that? And how many of us, by short hands, ignore some of those warning signs? <laughs> we ignore them. And to some slap us and get us our attention, right? And we're talking about when the gas light come on and you think you got a little bit more to go to get to that next gas station, and you run out. See, God gives us warning signs, if you don't know that. And the thing that He don't want us to do is to ignore those warning signs. So He gives us warning signs in our relationships, in our marriages, in our job, at our jobs. With our children, how many of us have children that, unfortunately, they go through some things that we don't know, and you feel so bad when you finally figure it out that your child was going through something and you had no idea because you ignored the warning signs. See, the thing is, you have to slow down, take a breath, and hear from him, not from you, okay? So that's the first condition of faith. Strength and perseverance. The second condition of that as a result of you not ignoring those warning signs is the fact that you are blocking your blessings. So if you are ignoring those warning signs and you don't heed to God's word, you are, you don't know it. You're blocking your blessings. So my ask is that if today you walk out of here and say, you know what? I'm gonna stop ignoring those warning signs. I'm gonna stop. And listen, okay? So the last time I spoke to you, I shared my story, and um, I won't go into detail with that story, but um, when I was alive, just to give those of you who didn't hear, um, I was 11 months old. I suffered a tragedy in my life. I was shot in my head, bullet went through my brain. I was in the hospital for a long, long time. My sister can vouch for that, and everybody discounted me. They discounted me. The doctors discounted me. Everybody discounted me, and they said, you know, they told my mom, you know, she's not going to live. If she lives, she's going to be a vegetable for the rest of her life. But God. <laughs> but God. So when I got old enough to understand um, what actually happened to me, uh, I was 12 when they told me my story and I figured out what happened to me. I was puzzled. I was hurt. I felt some type of way. And I was wondering, why me? And as I got older, that question always stuck in my head, in my mind. I wanted to know why. And so in my 20s, I, um, and I'm only 30, I'm in the house of God. I, I, I was, this is my second time being 30. But um, the, the, the thing that I started asking myself in my 20s and honestly asking God is, why did you save me? What is my purpose? What do you want me to do? I don't have gifts, I can't sing, I can't dance, I can't act, I can't do none of that. I want to be in a choir, but I think they'll kick me out. So I asked God, Lord, why me? What is my purpose? So I read the book, The Purpose Driven Life, and it still didn't give me no clarity. So I just kept praying and praying and praying and asking God and asking God. And then finally, after I became a member of this church and I started continuing to ask, because I didn't know what my purpose was when I came here. And that was back in 2003, and I I didn't know what my purpose was. And so I continued to ask. And then finally he revealed to me, he said, you know what, you're good with discernment and you're good with testimony. So I believe that's my purpose see i 'm not one to be ashamed of what God has done for me and my family i 'm not ashamed. I open my mouth and sometimes I open it a little too much, but that 's okay because i 'm honest in what I say and i 'm genuine so i 'm speaking to you from my heart today i 'm not speaking I have a little follow up bullet points on here, but this is all from my heart. Um, people are hurting today. people are hurting they are in pain. They are crying out for help. And the sad part is, some of those people are right next to you. Some of those people live in your home. Some of those people you pass by at work every single day, and you don't know they are hurting. They are crying out for help from you. And so God has revealed to me that your testimony can be that saving grace in somebody's life. You don't know so you may be the last voice they hear before they make the decision to jump or not to jump. To take the pills or not to take the pills. To pull the trigger or not to pull the trigger. So stop being selfish people. If you don't share in your testimony and your story of what God has done you, please stop. Please stop. Don't, don't think it's you telling your business and how people gonna think about you. It's His story. It's not yours. It's not about you. It's His story. So, One of the things that I want to kind of go back to, and just remind you of, and it starts with my story. Part of it, second part, part two of my story, um, is is the the Abraham in the book of Genesis, when God promised made some promises to Abraham that he would be a father of all nations, and in order for him to be that. He had to go away from everything that he knew and go to this foreign land. How many of y'all can do that today? You say, you know what, God told me to leave every all y'all here. I'm gone. Goodbye. I don't know where I'm going, how I'm going to get there, and how I'm going to make it. But I'm going. How many people will raise their hand for that program? You don't have no certainty. All you have is a promise. But see, one of the things that I did, (laughs) I took that challenge. Because back in uh, 2004, and I think Faith shared with you, I've been married for 10 years, but been with my husband for 25 years. He's my college sweetheart. And when I came here, and what was one of my disclaimer, I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God, right? I was a sinner. I was a sinner. I was living in sin, and I was a sinner. And the thing is, as I came here to Akron Alliance and with my pastor Brown, he teaches the Word of God. Now, I've been in a lot of different churches and had a lot of different experiences. But in here, I found the teaching of the Word, which resonates better with me. So, as I kept coming and I was invited, my auntie, she invited me here. And I'm thinking, why am I here? And so, that Word stabbed me in my heart. And it pricked me and it stabbed me right there in my heart. And so... It told me, you know what, things started happening to me. I mean, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat, because I knew I was sinful, and it hurt, and I knew I was making God cry. So I said, you know what, this got to stop. I got to change this. So it came upon me one day, I say it was December 2004, and I went to my fiancé, All oh, like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to go to him. And I said, you know what? I love you, but things has got to change. I don't know. I can't explain what's happening to me, but it's got to got to change. And depending on how what happens here, then this might be one of those changes. So, the warning signs, (laughs) the warning signs was not heeded, and that's okay because it's God's time, not mine. And so I prayed, and I was just asking God for direction and. And and he just, you know, all of it, I say out the blue, but I know it was from him. Um, Faith mentioned that I've been with State Farm for 18 years. Um, I started at this time. I was five years into the business. And so my section manager at the time came approached me out the blue. It was him. And said, Eudora, what do you want to do with State Farm? I'm looking at him out my cubicle like a. I'm doing, I'm I'm good. (laughs) So he said, no, I need you to come in my office. So I walked in his office that day in 2005. It was February. Remember, you got to stay with me. 2004, December, I prayed. February 2005, this happened. So I walk in his office, and he says, "Um, where do you see yourself? I said, well, I can do management. I was a claim adjuster at the time. I said, "I I can see myself in management. And I knew there was no opportunities here locally. So he said, well, where would you be interested in going? Well, I'm Memphis born. I said, I'll go to Tennessee. And so at that point, he said, you know what, you do that. He made a way where I had plane tickets. He had called, made some arrangements with our regional office down there, over 2,000 people and employees in the building, had me visit all these different departments, and I came back and he said, Well, what'd you think? I said, I could see myself there. This is February. March interviewing me. And Satan tried to get a hold of it. So the day of my interview, (laughs) it was a satellite. So it was a big TV screen and they down there in Tennessee and I'm here sitting in a conference room watching. I had the flu. It was running 104 fever. I was blowing, uh, snotting, and sneezing, and everything else, and tissue box there. And after that interview, I said, ooh, I know they don't like this. And I knew I didn't have no job. <laughs> Not with them anyway. But at the end of the week, they called me and offered me an opportunity. So stay with me. I didn't ask for this. I prayed for it. What happened then was God took me from here from Akron, from everything I was used to. And it was hard. I walked away from my house. I walked away from my family and my friends. And State Farm was such a blessing in my life at that point. I didn't have to worry about a thing. They they packed me up. They bought my house. They gave me plane tickets. And they shipped me on. And I tell y'all what, when I got there, me and my son, it was it was it was sad. I got there. I sat in the middle of all these boxes that they unpacked, and I cried like a baby, like, God, what did I do? I, what did I do? See, Abraham did the same thing. <laughs> got to read that. And so um, what I, what I'm, a lot of people was just so saying that, you know, she's going to come back. She's not going to make it there. It's going to be, you know, nothing's going to happen right But they were so wrong because it was his plan, not mine. It was his plan. So I got down there. I started doing things that I never thought I would do. I was a basketball coach, me. I didn't even know how to the rules. But I was a basketball coach because I wanted my son to continue playing basketball and nobody else would step up to the plate at his school. And I said, wait a minute. He liked basketball. I got to do this. So I was a basketball coach. I went down there, he positioned people in my life that are friends today. I had more abundant blessings then than I had ever seen in my life. And the beauty about all of that whole transition was that he transformed me. See, what you gotta understand is sometimes God gotta take you out of your mess and away from your people and away from everything that you are comfortable with to put by yourself so you can only have him to reflect on. There's where my faith stuck in. The strength was me leaving. And perseverance is today, God brought it back together. He allowed our hearts to see each other. We have been married. We are 25 years strong. I own a business. And he has persevered ever since. So I asked you, stop ignoring the warning signs. Don't be afraid to step out on the faith and, and, and move on. God got you. One of my very favorite poems is Footprints. See, in Footprints, we go through our mess. And we go through this stuff, and we think we all by ourselves. And we only see the Footprints uh, poem said there's only one set of uh, footprints in the sand. So that he looked up and said, God, why you leave me when I'm at my worst? Baby, he didn't leave you. He carried you. And you gotta remember that God carries us every single day. Women, we are hurting. This world is hurting. They are crying. We have to be that voice. We have to use what He has gave us, given us. He has given you the gift. If God gave you breath, if He took you out of one thing, one thing, You need to share that with somebody. See, some people are just stuck up and they won't share that with somebody because it's my business. It's not your business. It's his business, and you should be about his. So with that said, I'm not going to go over because I know me and Brenda is the last thing between food um, and you and us. But um, I want to, at this point, challenge you. I want to challenge you. Remember those three words, faith, strength, and perseverance. Faith, strength, and perseverance. And I encourage you, if you don't already know who you relate to in the Bible, find it. Find it. Find it, and you, you use that because it will bring you back. When you feel like you're stepping off a little bit and you're getting off of base a little bit, it will bring you back. I promise you it will. Remember those words. Don't ignore the warning signs because you're blocking your blessings. And um, with that said, I'm going to get ready to step away and allow a very dear person um, to me that God has placed in my life. So this relationship started, um, I'm an agent with State Farm, and one of my clients called one day. And she was just simply making a payment. I never answer the phone at work. I never. I, that's why I have a team. They answer the phone. But this particular day, everybody's phone was red, so they was on it. So I said, you know what, let me get the phone. So I got the phone, and this little voice was on the other end saying, I'm just calling to make a payment. I said, okay, I can help you with that. A that, uh, payment only takes about 30 seconds to do process over the phone. That thirty seconds turned into an hour and forty-four minutes <laughs> because I felt so good talking to this individual, and since then we have um, had lunch and just continue a friendship that um, that, that is in lasting. I, I believe God is in it, um, and I when I believe God is in it, there is no reason for me to step away. But when He's out of it, then I'm gone. So, with that said, I want to bring up Brenda MacGyver. And Brenda was born in Newport News, Virginia. She relocated to Akron, Ohio, six, um, six. And she relocated to Akron at six years old. That's what that is. Six years old. She has one adult son who's 29 now. She works for Federal Express for 29 years. Well, some of y'all might notice her when she come when she comes up. Um, she's an artist, an inventor and a very special motivational speaker. So I asked her, you know, to to join me today because as I started with you, I believe testimony is everything. I believe that's how what pierces people's heart and what gives others hope. We all need hope. And if someone else's testimony can give you hope, then um, that's a blessing. So with that said, I wanted to – Bring up Brenda, and um, one thing she feels about the Lord is that he is her security blanket. So with that, Brenda.
1: I don't know if I can say anything after that. But anyway, hello, and thank you for having me. I, uh, when I was seven years old, even though my name is Brenda, when I was seven years old, I was given a name uh, by the children, in fact, at a school right down the street called Crow School. And I was given a name. I didn't volunteer, but I was given this name that was called the Cootie Girl. And if anybody don't know what that means, that means that nobody wants to play with you. That means you have a fictitious disease and that we don't want to talk to you. And I didn't volunteer, but I had to take that name on. And one day, I had a substitute teacher. And the teacher would go down the list and call all the kids' names. And so she called my name out. And one of the boys yelled out, her name's not Brenda. That's the cootie girl. And everybody laughed, including the teacher. Everybody laughed in there except me. And I finally said, you know what? I can deal with this, and I dealt with it every day, and I got used to it. Well, back then, we had to stand in line for everything. We had to go to the bathroom. We stood in line, and so I would stand in line, and the child in front of me would turn around, and they would see that I was standing behind them, and they would go, Ugh, you're the cootie girl. Don't touch me. And so I would stand back, and then I would bump into the child behind me, and then they would turn around and go, ugh, don't touch me. You're the cootie girl. So finally I realized, and I just started stepping to the side of the line. And I just kept, you know, going on. And I got over that hurdle because I accepted what had happened. And I jumped over that hurdle. And then one day I had the uh, counselor. His name was Mr. Rudolph. And he called uh, my brother and I into the uh office. And he told us that our clothes smelled, and that we were dirty, and that he was going to send us home, and I was crushed. Because it was one thing for the kids to tell me that I was a cootie girl, but to hear that counselor say that to me, I was crushed, and I was angry. So my brother and I were walking home, and I looked at my brother, and I said, I'm not going to stink anymore. And so when I got home, I found a pair of scissors, and I found a couple pair of pants, And I cut these pants shorter than Daisy Dukes to make some underclothes out of them because I didn't have any. And I learned to find a piece of soap and I learned to wash my clothes because I didn't want to smell anymore. You see, I had parents that were partiers, my mother and my father. And we were left alone and they was running the street and then my father, he left. And my mother, she continued to be a partier and she loved to drink. And all the neighbors would call. They would call the children's services and they would tell them that those kids were being left alone. And we were. And we didn't have anything to eat. But one day, I climbed up on the counter and I got an empty, I got a a, a rusty can of pumpkin because they used to get baskets around Thanksgiving. And I don't know how old the can was. I just know I saw rust on it and I found the can opener and I opened it and I ate it. And I didn't have any sugar or anything. And I told my brother, "Here's something to eat," and we ate it. And I thought nothing of it because it was something to eat. And um, anyway, my mother she would be gone, and all the neighbors would call, and 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 the children's home arrived, and they was going to take us away several times. And uh, we didn't want to go; we were crying. And my mother would always come around the corner, and she would tell them, "They're lying." I just went to the store. I had to go around the corner and get whatever, whatever, and they would say okay, and they would leave us there. And so one day, they came again. And when they arrived again, and we kept looking around the corner. And this time, we were actually sitting in the vehicle, and we were all crying and looking at one another. And we kept looking around the corner, and she didn't make it this time. And they took us away in that big tan suburban, and we went to the children's home. But one thing that happened, when I went to the children's home, I got something to eat, I got a clean bed to sleep in, and I had clean clothes. So I had made it over that hurdle. I made it over that hurdle and I continued on with my life. But all throughout my life, I always asked God, why do I have to have bad parents? Why do I have to be in the children's home? And I didn't hear an answer. And I just kept going on and I kept going on. Well, at this time, I was nine years old. And so when I got to the children's home, they had put you with your own age group. Well, my age group, it was full. Put me in with kids that were older than me. So here I am again, getting picked on, getting bullied, getting beat up. And every little thing, which wasn't much, That I had was always thrown on the floor and they would break it. And I had one doll and they would take the arms off of it. And when I would go and do my chores, every time I came back, that's what I saw. And I would just look at everybody. I didn't know what to do. They were all older than me. But I learned this up for myself. So I made it over that hurdle. And then one day when I began, I turned 11 and I got lucky. Cause I always wanted to have a family, cause family is so important. So anybody that has a family, cherish it. Cause it's really important. It's very important. It's the core of all of us. Cause that's where we come from. And even if it's not your real family, if you get a family later on, it's still your family. Even for mothers that didn't actually have a child, if you was giving advice to someone, you're a mother. But I went to a foster home, and so I made do with that. I felt like, wow, I finally have a family. Some things went on in that foster home that shouldn't have gone on, but I dealt with that because I felt like I belonged. And then one day, my cousin, I looked out the window. It was on a Sunday morning, and uh but even before that, my mother, she used to come and visit us. Because they would allow you to have visits. And we kept wanting to go back home. And I kept telling my mom, when are we going to come back home? When are you going to come and get us? And she said, I'm going to come and get you. I'm going to come and get you. And when we had have visits, and they would give you two hours. And sometimes we would sit in that room for two hours and she wouldn't show up. And then when she did show up, she was intoxicated. So I kept thinking, we ain't going back home. When are you going to come get us? She said, "I'm gonna come and get you. I'm gonna come and get you." And so one day I was uh, at my foster home. It was on a Sunday morning, and I was doing watching cartoons or whatever we were doing early in the morning. And I looked out the window and I saw my cousin coming to the door, and I saw my uncle. And I'm thinking, "Why? Why are they here? They never come to visit us." So they knocked on the door. My foster mom answered the door, and they came and they gave us some news. And they told me my mother had been murdered. So by this time, I knew I wasn't going home. But I got over that hurdle. I got over that hurdle. And then I got to be grown. And uh, I got my own apartment. I got a job and I started working. And the first thing I did when I got my own place is I went and got me a box of cornflakes. And I sat down at the table and I fixed them just the same way I used to eat them before I went to the children's home and that was with water and I sat down and I ate those cornflakes because I wanted to see what it really tastes like with water and it was nasty just to reflect to see how hungry I was and that made me very thankful for the position that I was in but God kept carrying me even though I felt he wasn't answering me. As I reflected, I knew God was with me, and he, and he, and he kept me strong. And when I was nine, I, I told myself I didn't want to live like this anymore. So God and I had that relationship. And he was a constant reminder. When I would run into friends that were doing things that I saw that my mother and father did, I would break away from those friends. But anyway, I was on my own. And then I started looking at my future, and I said, you know what, I need to make more money. And so I started seeking, and I found a good company to work for, and that was Federal Express, and I got hired. And then I bought a house, and I had a son, and, him and his father and I were getting along, and then, of course, things didn't work the way we wanted. We departed, but he continued to be a father to my son. Things were going good. And uh, when my son got to be 22, he was going to college and he had moved, and then he moved back home because he wanted to pay more on his school loans. I said, "Sure, you can come on back." And he was working and everything, and things were going along. Great. He had gotten a new job, and um, I was helping my cousin. I had a truck. I believe in helping people. And uh, I had an old truck, and I was helping my cousin move some furniture and uh, I got a phone call and I looked at my phone and I said, why is he calling me? I said, this young man never calls me. He was a friend of my son's. I said, he never calls me and something said, answer it. And I answered the phone and the young man told me my son had been hit by a car and the first thing came out of my mouth, is he still alive? And he said, yes, he's still alive. So they told me what hospital he was going to be at. And so I rushed over to Akron General Hospital. And then the ambulance came. And I was in emergency with my son. And I was talking to him. I could tell he wasn't all the way there. He was somewhat delirious, but he knew that I was there. And they was examining him. And I was watching and paying attention to everything. And I saw him pulling his legs up. And then saw him pull his other leg up, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, he's going to have two broken legs, but we're going to get over that hurdle. And um, the doctors said they were going to take him to surgery and do some surgery on him because his blood flow wasn't quite what it needed to be. And he told me to go and get you something to eat and come back in a couple of hours, and you will be in recovery. So I did that. I took my truck home. Took my old work clothes off and changed, showered and everything, went back. So when I got back and I went to recovery and I went to the desk and the uh, nurse told me that uh, he was still in surgery. And I said, are you sure? And she said, yeah. And she said, matter of fact, the doctor wants you to call up to surgery. And she told me they had a special phone and she told me what color the phone was and my cousin was with me. And so we went to that phone. And I dialed that number. And the nurse said, yes, the doctor wants to speak to you. So I told my cousin, I said, something's wrong. And she said, you don't know. You never know. I said, no, something's wrong. I feel it in my gut. So the doctor came on the phone. And they told me that they couldn't get the blood to flow the way they wanted. And they was trying to do a bypass. And he said, if the bypass doesn't work, we may have to amputate your son's left leg above the knee. And, of course, my heart is beating really fast, and, you know, it's just a lot is going on. I can't really register everything that's being said to me because it's like, boom, right in your face. So then he he said he's he's not done, and he told me that they was going to try and work on his right leg. And he said if we don't get the blood flowing in the right leg, we may have to amputate his right leg. And at this time... I'm getting weak, and I'm about to pass out. So my cousin took the phone, and I had to sit down because it was real shocking for me. So she took the rest of the information. And this is like everything started at 11 o'clock, and by this time it's like 1 o'clock or somewhere around there. And uh, my son was in surgery till 12.30 at night. But uh, my family, my family, my real family... My foster family, my friends, the people that have been there for me were there to support me because I needed it. As strong of a person as I am, we all have our weak points and we all need one another at some point in some time in our lives. So the doctor came out of surgery and they walked over and called my name out and I went over and he said we, we're going to have to amputate his left leg. And I said, okay, doctor, and I'm still trying to be strong. And so, uh, I accepted that. And then, uh, probably about an hour later, they came back out of surgery. And I looked at the doctor's face, and I told him, you don't have to tell me. I can already see it in your face that they got to amputate the right leg. And they did. And it was so heartbreaking and so depressing. And, uh, but I got over that hurdle. Got over that hurdle. And I realized it. I said, God, why? Why is all this happening to me? Why? Why did I have bad parents? Why did all those things happen? Why did I have to go to the children's home? And he finally answered me. He told me I was preparing you for this day. And had I not gone through what I went through when I was young, I wouldn't have been able to handle what I was going through with my son. But we made it past that hurdle. And I realize he's not the first person that that happened to. And that he wouldn't be the last. And that he wasn't the only person that that was going to happen to. But God is good. Even when we think he's not there, he's there. He's there. And we must notice. And we must appreciate. And we must be thankful every single day that we wake up. Because right now. My son was told he'd never drive with his legs. He asked. That was the first thing he wanted to know. He loves cars. And he said, will I ever drive with my legs again? And they said, I'm afraid not. But right now today, he can drive with his prosthetic legs. (laughs) If you were in the car, you'd never know that he had prosthetic legs unless he had on shorts. He got a new job. He travels around the country. He's been to Japan. They've sent him to Hawaii. They've sent him everywhere. And he's doing well. So we got over that hurdle. We got over that hurdle. And anything that anybody's going through, it will pass. And you're going to get over that hurdle. Because I jumped every hurdle. And that's why I'm here today. And I'm so thankful. And I want to say Happy Mother's Day to every mom in here. Because I've had a lot of moms in my life, and I want to thank you, again, your door for inviting me. I'm glad to be here, and I hope I've lifted somebody's spirit.
4: Thank you. Thank you, Brenda. and I told you she was awesome didn't I tell you (laughs) she's awesome and I'm so blessed to have her so we just felt the spirit and when I got the call from Auntie Rella to uh, to, uh, be invited to come here my heart and Brenda's heart connected at that lunch and she shared her story with me and I said I have to have you share that story with everybody else because God compelled that story, and I wanted you to hear it as well. As Brenda said, mothers and fathers that were mothers, (laughs) happy Mother's Day to you. And if you have lost your mom or have a mom that's sick, happy Mother's Day to you. Your mother is looking at you, she's, she's shining down on you, and, and just live right, and you'll see her again. So, happy Mother's Day, and thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God for using us, because we had nothing to do with this. Amen.
5: What's that old song? How did I get over? Brenda, a gentleman once told me, a coach and with his track team, he knows the ones who can really run a 100-yard dash with no hurdles. But you put the hurdles in front of them, they have a problem Run a hundred yard down. See, our heavenly coach, he knows who can take the hurdles and finish well. (laughs) He knows. But both of them are an example of Jeremiah 29.11. See, I don't know how many of you believe this, but... Most people think they set their own plans for life. And you don't. You really don't plan your life. We don't do it. Other we are following the plan that Satan has set for us. Because he's the god of this world. And he sets a plan. And Jeremiah 29 said, God has a plan. Now, you're going to follow one or the other's plan. And when you follow God's plan sometime, that doesn't mean it's always easy. There can be some difficulties in it. It's not how well you start. Ralph Dixon, a, a gentleman we used to run track against, Ralph would be the first one out, but almost the last one finishing. It's not how well you start life, it's how you finish life. And a thing about a good runner, in the midst of the running of life, they can adjust to the changes. You kept hearing both of them talking about hurdles and changes in life. If you're not willing to adjust to the changes in your life, you cause yourself to become your own stumbling block in life. And you'll look around and you'll blame everybody else about where you are in life at this point. Not understanding you're tripping over your own feet. Because you're in the blame game. You're in the self-pity game. Rather than, like both of them, God, what do you have for me? And be willing to go after it. I'm going to leave you with this little promise, and I think both of them exemplifies that. God says, if you honor me, I'll honor you. If you lift me up, I'll lift you up. If you'll first seek the kingdom of God and let all this foolishness go, I'll give you your heart's desire. It is not easy to commit yourself and live as godly women and godly men. But I'm going to share this with you. It's a rewarding life, which two testimonies you have. They would never have dreamed where they are today to be where they are. Only a living God opened those doors. Only a living God put people in their life who gave them favor. Here's the difference between success in God's way and success in Satan's way. In Satan's way, you can have all the success and you wind up being lonely, angry, unhappy, not joyful. The Christian has all the success But he has the joy, or she has the joy of the Lord. And they're happy and satisfied in Christ. Not in their success, but in a person. And God continues with both of them. If you heard Brenda say, with her truck, she likes to help people. Dean, she likes to help people in a different way. She's helping people. And the issue is this. It's not about us. It's about allowing God to use us for his glory. Why? We found his purpose in life. To be a testimony for him. To be used by him. And above all else, glorify him in our living. When you honor God, he'll honor you. And if you're stuck... You're dissatisfied. You're unhappy. And you don't have joy. You get somewhere with God. It's good to talk with people. But somewhere you got to shut the door on people. And you and God got to wrestle through it. And when you surrender to God completely... The old song says, is it all on the table? Is it all on the table of sacrifice? Give it all over to Him. Put it there. And then let God start His work in you. You will be amazed what God can do with a yielded, A yielded, broken individual. Amen? Amen. Well, Donna, is it time to eat? Who's supposed to come? Door prizes. Tyler, she gave them all to me. Tyler, come with the door prizes. No.